Okay, welcome to episode 81 of Across the Pond. My name is David Ashbaugh, as always, joined by my co-host, Sixten Funquist. And Sixten, we're putting out two episodes this week because uh, we've had a couple of interviews. Obviously, we had uh, Andrew Califf on the show for Tuesday's episode, which was a really fun chat with him. And I am so happy to announce that we have finally an active SHL referee joining us on the show today. Uh, Johan Nordloff uh, had a chat with him yesterday, today being Friday. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting getting, you know, the, the inside perspective from, from an active referee. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Johan was awesome joining us. Uh, he, he, like I said, he had some great insights and he's been making, his career has gone pretty quickly from, from the, like, his his start of the the start of his refereeing to where he is now so uh yeah it's a good chat and i i hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did because uh it was a it was a good chat it, he had some really insightful answers so that was really fun yeah it was other than uh, that it was good to talk to him but yeah other than that um take it away sorry uh, no worries uh it's a pretty bit of a quiet week in terms of news uh obviously with a, a certain lunatic still holding the world as hostage i think most of the focus is towards him but um yeah we were just discussing before we started the recording that with the deadline passing where we don't have that many kind of uh yeah, transfer not, news or not much player news not much movement going on nah. but um we have had a couple of big game days since our last episode that we recorded yeah. tuesday morning so we can recap what happened uh uh, on Tuesday and uh, last night, we were both working as well. Oh, oh, yeah, we should actually start with with Malma, who put out a press release yesterday, with being uh, Thursday afternoon, that Peter Anderson was uh, signed and sealed to come back as their new, well, well, born again head coach, I guess, from Brinas, and then they withdrew the press release in saying it was a mistake, and uh, because they haven't really, you know. Uh, solved the contract thing with Brinas, so uh, we don't know what's going on there. That's a bit of a <laughs> bit of a riddle to kind of unfold, but uh, yeah. So it looks like Peter Anderson is returning to Malmo, uh, and we've got no confirmation of it at all. Uh, well, if it means anything, Hockey Olsvenskin has him listed as the head coach for Malmo. Or sorry, elite, no. pro- elite prospect, sorry. Oh yeah, Hockey Olsvenskin, no. They do? Yeah. Really? Like from through the this season? It says mid-season appointment for the Malmo Redhawks. That's interesting. 2021-22 uh, season. So, yeah, we're not too sure what's going on there. Perhaps there was a bit of a miscommunication within the Malmo organization and somebody leaked that information. Uh, maybe uh, actually, yeah. when they weren't supposed so, to. They weren't maybe supposed to release that press release just yet. So Yeah, there's actually, actually a quote about that. And it's from, I'm going to give his, uh, I'm just going to make sure I'm saying his position. Yeah, he's the chairman of the boards in Malmö. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick cough here. I'm not Sorry about that. Uh, and he says like uh, says as following, I'm going to live translate it. So give me a second. It's on me. Uh, I have to make uh, explain this quite thoroughly. We are in agreement with Peter and we we do inform our uh, PR department about to, uh, to on how to prepare a press release. They did so, and they returned an email to me, say, me saying, uh, please approve this. And they had a, uh, a timestamp on the press release, and he said he approved it. Uh, that would be Mats Larsson. Uh, and it's on me because apparently everything wasn't done yet. So uh, we don't know what's going on. 
it this looks is, like uh, it probably will be likely though if uh, probably yeah if i were a betting man i'd, I'd say yes it's probably yeah. going to happen it was just a bit of a premature mistake by uh the the organization whoever's in control yeah. of that of those things so uh yeah. it is uh interesting to see obviously because he was the longtime head coach obviously of malmo former malmo redhawks player as well so um yeah i'm sure malmo will be happy to have him back and i'm sure the fans will as well yeah he's got a pretty decent son playing hockey in the nhl as well um rasmus anderson that would be in uh, on the calgary flames anyway uh we should talk, go through the games yeah because there's been a couple of big games concerning bottom uh bottom of the league teams the big one on yeah. tuesday night was timro and malmo and obviously these two teams are battling it out right now and timber came away with a huge three nothing victory against the red hawks which was big to pull them closer to malmo um because timro of course still in the bottom two with your gordon timber with 47 points you're going with 46 malmo with 51 and so that was a huge six-point game and a huge win for timro on tuesday night yeah uh solid effort by timro through and through really uh but malma not really coming up to standards obviously they outshot timro 25 to 16 but but and had also they had 16 shots missed so they actually had uh, 41 shots attempts which is uh, a lot compared to 24 for for timro but yeah um this is the thing with timro they're playing i think we've t- touched on this before you know they've they haven't really been outplayed a lot they've had some bad puck luck maybe and bit of a bit of you know bad bounces here and there but they're they're in the games and now they're able, well, they didn't beat Lean Shopping yesterday, but they're able to kind of get away or kind of, you know, grind their way to some victories here and there. And I think that can be very decisive down the stretch here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, speaking of uh, grinding your way to victories, your Gordon also had a big win against Lulio on Tuesday night, coming away with a 3-2 victory. Uh, and speaking of Lulio, they're on a bit of a skid right now, losing to a couple of uh, bottom-level teams. But, uh, you know, you got to be impressed with, uh, you know, the fight that we're seeing from these bottom-level teams to try and move themselves out of that relegation position because your Gordon has been playing well. Timbro has been playing well. Mammal's on a bit of a slide. So uh, it, it really is going to make things interesting coming into the uh, – the final few games of the season because that, yeah, that's a big win for your Gordon three, uh, two against Lulio in regulation time. So it was a full three point victory for them. Yes. And staying on the topic of Lulio they're I think they're on a four game losing streak at home and they've only lost to, you know, there are no easy wins, but teams on paper that they should be uh, at least a step ahead of uh, like your Gordon, like, <laughs> excuse me jesus my throat is really not working with me like brina's yesterday we're probably going to get into that as well so lulia lost uh they're on a three game losing streak at home they lost to team Row, they lost to Jurgordon, gordon and they lost to brina's then they went uh, then they won against lexand and erbro away so i don't know what's going on here yeah, it's a, it's a bit interesting because, you know, obviously it's usually the other way around. The team is strong at home, but weak on the road. But like you said, their last three their last three losses have come all against bottom-level teams, Brinus, Gordon, and Timra. So, yeah. yeah, not too sure what's going on with them. But, um, yeah, obviously the, those bottom-level teams are taking advantages of their opportunities and coming away with some big points. For sure, for sure. And um, um, we should obviously well, touch on that Brinus-Lulio game last night yeah. um, because coming into that game, uh, Brinus... Oh, let me try and remember here. They had the the stat pop up yesterday. I think it was 243 minutes 
without the goals. Yeah, with like that. without a goal, it was third the third longest goal drought in SHL history uh, for Brinus. Um, and you had mentioned last night, actually, it was uh, Noel Gundler was the last one to score for Brinus, and lo and behold, he opened the scoring last night for Brinus as well. So. Kind of an yeah. interesting, interesting set there. He had a great game last night. He had. He did. I mean, we we were both co- kind of covering the game yesterday. Uh, obviously, you got the one game and I got uh, three. But uh, just looking at Brinus, how they're kind of, once again, grinded their way back into it. Um, obviously, Lulio has some sort of uh, doubt in, the, in, in themselves, maybe. But G- Gunler and Brinus kind of they just kept chugging along. They weren't playing all that well in the first period, but they did outshoot Lulu eight to five, which kind of tells you a lot about that period. Um, then they were outshot 12 to nine in the second, but still, you know, they, they scored twice in the span of, I don't know. Yeah. 23 seconds uh, going up, uh, going from two down, two, one down to three, two up. And some of the goals they scored were, you know, you couldn't really tell that, that they had been on such a goal drought. Um, obviously, the the game tire by by Gundler kind of paved the way and probably took a lot of monkeys off of off of a lot of backs. But they played played really well, Brunos yesterday, and uh, there was no you know they were. I guess hard work hard work pays off, and they did serve their win. They were really good yesterday. Yeah, they were. And uh, Vanyville Volanen between the pipes of Remus was fantastic, especially in the third period. Lulio was just yeah. all over them in the third period. Here's a fun stat for you. Remus had two shots in the third period, both of which were goals. Really? One of which was an empty net. True, Nick Olson. But, but two shots have... throughout the entire period. That kind of uh, shows you just oh, how God. much pressure Lulio was applying. They had 10 shots in the frame. They honestly, yeah. like... For, for at least maybe half that period, it looked like Lulio was on the power play, even though they were five on five, because they were just pushing so hard to try and get that game back to even. Um, but yeah, Vanyville Villain in between the pipes. And also, you got to hand it to Brinus's defense. They collapsed in front of the net when they needed to. They took away shooting lanes. Uh, they were dropping bodies in front of shots, left, front and center. So it was uh, it was a great effort by Brinus throughout, you know, a full 60 minute uh, performance from Brinus last night. Yeah, it really was. Um, that kind of puts them back into the mixture of things down the stretch here. They now, I think they have, I think they got nine games prior to last night. They had nine games left, and I think out of those nine games they play, including last night, seven in eleven days. That is, a lot which of is games. a lot. So uh, we'll see how how the schedule kind of impacts their play, but obviously there's a confidence boost for you coming away with, with such such a win so yeah yeah so um yeah another big game uh obviously last night concerning bottom level teams Linchoping hosting timra and uh this was uh obviously another game that a lot of people had their eye on because this had big implications in the standings uh, especially with Brinus having won last night Linchoping coming away with that big three-point victory keeps them tied in points in the standings but Brinus, of course has that advantage in goals against goals four so they are currently occupying that 10th and final playoff spot Linchoping sitting just outside in 11th but this was also a big win for uh Linchoping as well because had Timra won that would have put Timra three just three points back of Linchoping um and uh obviously Linchoping for the past few seasons has uh, you know been kind of tiptoeing that line between relegation and uh just staying in the the 11th 12th position so that was a big yeah. win for Linchoping as well it was and Brock Little uh breaking a nine game uh pointless 
streak really uh, which is yeah and i think it's in the the goalless streak was even longer so good for him getting those uh getting that that monkey off his back he actually also had 20 penalty minutes yesterday so i don't i don't know what happened there and he hadn't scored in two or uh it was actually he scored uh nine games ago so yeah that was a nine game goal uh, goal streak as well but yeah um lean chopping kind of you know edging themselves past Timro with no real uh, stature. Can you say it like that? I mean, they're not convincing in their win, but they yeah. get a win. They, um, they got it either way. But like you said, yeah. it was... Uh, it, honestly, it wasn't a great great performance from either team, really. It, nope. it Neither one of those teams are playing like they should be right now. Like, they should be playing desperate hockey at the moment and didn't really see that from either of those teams. No, but th- that's just that's you know that's the typical game typical game when you kind of see uh, the anxiety kind of takes over and you the the fear of making a costly mistake is kind of greater than the will to to pounce if you will. Yeah, esp- that was especially I guess in a game like that, neither team wanted to you know make a mistake. You know, had it been you know let's say Lynn Shoping for Lunda or Lynn Shoping for Lefty, we probably would have seen a different uh, different kind of strategy from Lynn Shoping playing desperate hockey. But like you said, uh, you know, neither team was really willing to take those risks and potentially make a mistake that would cost them a goal. No, exactly. Exactly. Should we throw it over to you one and just get back into it in a couple of minutes? Yeah, let's throw it over to the interview and then we can uh, preview uh, this weekend and next week's games coming up because we've got some big ones. So uh, Johan Nordloff, active SHL referee, the first referee we've ever had on the show. Uh, enjoy the interview. All right. Uh, joining this little plucky podcast we've had uh we've had defensemen we've had goalies with coaches and we've had forwards and now for the first time ever we have our first active shl referee welcome to the show uh mr yuan love how are you doing today i'm fine thank you for having me thank you for coming on this is uh it's an honor for us to actually have a an, uh, an active official uh joining the podcast so this is this is pretty big for us uh I think we have a battery of questions, and but the first one would be because you, you and I, we've already, you know, we've talked a couple of times in doing interviews in Swedish and stuff like that. But could you just tell us on how you became a referee from from the start? What made you make the transition, so to speak? Well, it was a coincidence, really. I had uh, an active background as a hockey player. I played up till. Uh, 22, 23, then I hurt my knees, that is, uh, and so forth. And then I was up in my parents' cabin around 2009, and I was pretty old then to start a, to start as a ref, but just saw that ad on, on the internet to, if you wanted to become a referee, contact us and let's see. And I had no intention of being any any good at it or you know making a career as a referee i just thought that i can spend some time in the beer leagues and make a couple of bucks and see what it, that was like and i've always had as as a player i had a, a strong opinion about referees and it wasn't always that good so i thought uh, how hard could that be so i uh, i sent in an application and i didn't hear anything for a couple of months and i actually forgot about it but then i got a then I got an email back to to attend a, a rookie course as a referee, and in Sweden that's or in Stockholm where I live, it's division. If you count from as a SHL and backwards, like 
Division Six, uh, and I was uh, I was very very nervous. I thought that referees, this is going to be tough. So I, I did my homework. I made a couple of laps on the track and try to try to come in as in good shape and as possible. And, and took it and from it took off from there. You can you might say. Yeah, because like you said, it's been pretty quick. Because when did you actually make your SHL debut? I made my debut. I started as a linesman, and uh, I think that is appropriate. It's a good way to go for for most. Uh, so I made my debut in two thousand and fourteen. Oh, uh, as a linesman, <clears throat> and. Uh, and I was uh, full-time SHL linesman 2015 to 2016. So I made one season as a linesman. And actually, the, the season before that, I had already begun making plans in my head to, to become, a, become a referee. So during that, during that season, 2015-16, I, I uh, spoke to my uh, superiors and said that I I don't want to be rude or anything. I'm I'm glad that you you uh, picked me for for a position, but I think that a referee is more of my my area than a than a linesman. And luckily, they uh, thought that I had a point in that and supported me from in that transition. Now, dur- now during that transition, is there any kind of uh, additional, I guess, education or any courses you're required to take when you go from linesman to referee, or is it just kind of a that they select the guys they think would be most suited for the role? Well, it depends. The courses are the same. Uh, the referees and the linesman every year, depending on what uh, division you you're attending, of course, is is based on the same uh, courses. Uh, we meet up during late summer for a couple of days and go through what new rules and old rules and check up on the physics and and everything. Try to build, you know, we're a team as uh, as well as the teams are. So we got to work as a as a group as well as individuals. But as far as the difference between linesmen and and referees are, I think more in in terms of who you are as a person and. It comes with a territory that referees are more in in the spotlight. You are the uh, you're the executive of the game, uh, if you can put it like that. You are the one who makes the calls. Um, obviously, the linesmen do, but the the linesman part of it is more of an assistant role to to the game, and uh, the referees are more like the executives. Uh, so that that is something you have to learn, and you you obviously when you go from linesman in the SHL, you 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 go down a couple of steps and try to make your way up again. For me, I started in the and in Sweden it's called Division One, so actually Division Three. Then did a couple of games there, and then I got a chance uh, pretty fast in Hockey uh, Svenskan, which is the second league in Sweden. Yeah, uh, you know, cool. oh, sorry, Dave, you go. Sorry. T- typically, obviously, when we're interviewing players, you know, we've got their elite prospects profile in front of us and we can see, you know, their, their history and all that. It's obviously a little more difficult with uh, a referee such as yourself, but it is listed on your elite prospects profile that you uh, you ref the 2018 All Svenskin final, which must have been a pretty cool experience. 
Yeah, it was uh, for sure. It was. I think it was like uh, uh, It was the first. Uh, was the first time for me that I did. Uh, no, it was cool. It was. Uh, everyone believed that uh, AIK would win, and at the end, Oscar went all the way to to the SHL and been there ever since. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you were part of history there. That's really really awesome. Uh, did you ever? So I'm I'm kind of vague on when the two referee system was introduced, but I'm guessing you've been working with both both as an you know the lone referee and just and now obviously with with another referee. What was the biggest difference in that, like work wise? Um, when you when I did hockey at Svenskan, the last year was at four. Uh, yeah. I did four years there, so three years by myself and. And then you could uh, build the game and build the box where players are allowed to to work within, you know, and you, that you that standard you can set just from who you are or who you are Nordlov is or whatever. But when we're two, we have to we have to have a more general box for for every game and every situation. We have to have the same use what what a slashing is and what a hoping is and. I know that people listening to this, well, you got no clue, um, but of course we do do our mistakes, but the, the that's our main goal to uh, to make it understandable. Uh, so that it's much more of a, a joint venture to be a four man or a two man officiating than than on three. But that's that has to do with chemistry as well as any hockey line out there, really, I guess, with uh, the personal chemistry between two referees and well, in total four people trying to set up that framework how much how much do you guys talk maybe before and and during the games because obviously we know that you guys go through the games afterwards and kind of uh, piece them uh, piece by piece so to speak but how much do you kind of what do you take with you into a game let's say there's this is just a pure example uh who left your face lulio which we all know is a bit of a rivalry how much do you kind of take with you into that game that you know that this might be a, you know, a bit of a feisty one, so to speak? I think we try to cover as much ground as possible uh, before games. Uh, if you take that game or Frölunda Förestad or Malmö Rögle, you got you got the players, uh, you got player X, Y, and Z. I won't take any names now, no. uh, but. Uh, you got those players, you know, they're going to hit hard. They're going to work their sticks. Uh, you got to get the cross checks in front of the goals. Uh, heads up on that and whatnot, because everything we highlight, we tend to be more aware of uh, in the games. But nonetheless, if you work a game that uh, be- beforehand is considered, well, nothing above average, you also have to you also have to make that same. You're you're maybe not was fired up, but you got to make the same preparations because you know you miss one you miss one thing and it takes off from there. So yeah. it's it's really a game about inches and and uh, now that's tough. But we go through through everything. Try to highlight if we had any problems the last couple of games or over the series or what the linesman can help us with and what they want to help with and 
and so forth. So just to cover as much ground as possible uh, beforehand, and hopefully we'll get out of it uh, and can puzzle it afterwards that we did our we did our pregame and uh, that worked out as we have we always have a plan a pregame plan and uh, if we do it if we do it right and that's you know that's second by second or minute by minute out on the ice how you how you tackle those uh, questions those players those situations you know you gotta sometimes you gotta lay flat on your back and say sorry and sometimes you gotta yell at a guy and sometimes you gotta laugh and that's really the game management part of it to get from start to finish and everyone's hopefully as happy as possible. Is it easy to go from Johan Nordlöv, the, the person, to Johan Nordlöv, the referee, and then back to be the person? Like, do is there an on and off switch, so to speak, where you can maybe talk to to players as, as a civilian, so to speak, afterwards? Or is is that a tough tough line to cross? And how do you do that? That's a good question. Um, I think that I'm fairly the same person. Uh, I don't. I don't have an on and off switch. Uh, I. I try to. My. Me personally, I try to stay as calm as possible, to a limit. I have uh, the uttermost understanding of people who react or players who react to, because I know when I when I make a bad call, I know it. It's not like I'm. I'm blind for my own, my own flaws, and I have more, and I have more understanding for that than players who react to. So that I try to try to to um, uh, how do you say? It? I try to face those situations with a kind of calm and just feel the situation and, and respect for for their feelings. But on the other hand, I can react pretty strong when you got. You got players reacting who is obviously wrong. We have, I think, a, a growing problem is that that people are guessing, or always have been guessing. That was a well. You don't know what you're talking about. Do you? Well, I didn't really see, but I just wanted to react. So now, for me, no, for me personally, I'm, the on and off switch are kind of the same. They're kind of the same. Then you gotta have you gotta have some respect on and off but you always need a little bit. I think that it's important to have a little bit of distance between, between the referees and the players. I think that we have a common ground to work from, but we're not, we're not the same. If I can express myself like that, we, we need to have the respect, but, but a bit of uh, distance between us. I think that is for, that's for the best. Now, especially as a referee compared to a linesman, um, obviously, I, I would say it's probably one of the most heavily criticized and publicly criticized jobs uh, there is out there, you know, maybe other than politicians or the players themselves, because you're, you know, you're constantly in the spotlight. And like you said, when you when you do make a bad call, which, of course, happens um, because, you know, everybody's human. But obviously, like you said, when you make you know, you make the right call and people criticize you for making the right call, you know, obviously, you can get a bit frustrating. So, like. How do you manage that that pressure um, and and that kind of stress from from outside uh, you know outside uh, influences? I think that there's an old story about a frog. If you put a frog in boiling water, it will jump out. But if you put a frog in in cold water and you heat it up, it will stay there until it dies. 
And that's kind of the same with hockey referees. If you put a normal person into this, you would jump out. Of course you would. You wouldn't. I'm going to Arebru uh, today. If you guys were with me on the ice, you would you would leave. Of course you would. I would too. No, no one. If you took a, a Premier League ref today, you know, and that's the same when referees look at other games. So I wouldn't do that. And why did you do that? And but they would they would jump out too. But so you need to you make you need to make those steps. You you start with five people in the crowd in the stands and 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 nothing on Twitter and Facebook and whatever. And and you just. You, you learn to cope with it. I don't have Twitter. I don't read Facebook. I don't, and so forth. So, and it's, it's really not a problem. I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of confident in who I am and I don't have a problem with, if I know I'm right, I don't have a problem with it, but I hate being wrong. That's like, that's more of, and that's not the people criticizing me. For it, it's it's more of that I knew I made a wrong, a, a bad judgment, a bad I, I misread the situation or whatnot. So it's more, it comes more from me from than from the other outside. But obviously we have we have problems with uh, with threats. We have problems with uh, you know kids pulling our kids and and stuff and that. That's more of I think that's that's much worse than than me handling some guy at our local grocery store that has an opinion after a game. And in the arena, it's like in, in the arena, you know, just need to cope with it and, and get, get off the ice, uh, worst case. Now, speaking of criticisms, one of, I guess, the, the most criticized uh, situations in hockey leagues uh, really across the world is uh, the goaltender interference situation when there is a goal scored. I mean, it's 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 such obviously a difficult situation because every incident is unique. Every incident is its, is its own kind of, you know, uh, thing, right? Um, so can you provide a little bit of perspective from the referee's point of view when it comes to those uh, heavily criticized either yes, good goal or no goal situations when it comes to goal? tenor interference yeah uh, yeah i know and it's it's such a subjective uh, matter for us it has been back in sweden it has been back and forth for a couple of years and i think we're on a, on on a very good way now to, uh, to just if we can keep this rule for a couple of years it will be great i think that this year has been the best for in in many years that you want to say that, you know, the goal crease, that's the goalie's area. He's got an advantage of that. If you want to move outside the goal crease, you can do that. But then you're more of not a fair game, but you're more in play. Then you got to accept that a player who doesn't see you might touch your glove, uh, might touch your leg. Uh, but in the end, and in all fairness, it's, it all comes down to, to decisions. Wherever we, drew, wherever we draw the line, we will have a 50-50 decision. In every, whatever we do, if it's slashing, hooking, uh, abuse of officials, you always get that. Is it, is it not? Um, and I think that in hockey in general, we're trying to look now more for what was the purpose of the play uh, and how did the goalie contribute? Was he in 
as I said, in the crease, it's, it's his crease. Uh, and outside, it's the players. You can't, you can't hit a goalie, but they're more of, of the players' area outside and the goal is inside. And uh, in Sweden, I, I would say that we're uh, on a pretty good path there. I want to take the conversation to to uh, the Sonny Milanos of the world and the uh, the Nils Hoglanders of the world, so to speak. Hockey is pretty much an ever-evolving sport, obviously, but as of late, as of the past few years, we've seen more and more uh, creative plays on the ice, such as the Michigan and the fake Michigan and the, the lob pass from behind the net to someone hitting it on the volley, stuff like that. Uh, plays like that, obviously they entertain us the 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 crowd the the ones covering the sports how much if any do you guys as the referees need to kind of adapt to that in terms of high stakes uh in terms of watching the play even more thoroughly uh and where do you see this going do we, i know i know you don't you're not too keen on discussing changing of rules because it might be way too out there but do you see and do you see anything in the future that might be have might have to be changed to kind of adapt to the new style of hockey or where are we headed here i think the as you said uh, hockey is evolving uh, constantly uh the rules we don't make the rules we just try no. to imply them <laughs> uh obviously but uh, you can see over the couple of years that those big defensemen playing a lot of stick is it's not, they don't have as easy to find jobs as they once did. Uh, so that's one involvement. And I think that we have to be, if you take referees in particular, we got to get smarter and smarter to, to read uh, what are the defensemen forwards or these doing to, to prevent, if you take Nils Aglander from, from doing his stuff, uh, what takes away uh, his chances and are is it is it okay or is it just a smart uh, kind of covered up penalty situation? Uh, but I don't see. I, I think we have a tendency now to in every, everything we do kind of uh, promotes or uh, makes another thing uh, perish. Uh, if you take, we have work that slashings, we work that hookings. Uh, now we got some uh, slow foot kind of tripping uh, incidents uh, appearing. Uh, in general, we gotta we gotta watch out for that. Uh, a lot of sticks in the back. Uh, that's that's two that we're uh, constantly on the lookout for. I mean, dangerous place. You don't you wanna obviously the physical part. It's very very fast nowadays. And you can't, and I know that this is, oh, hockey is turning into floorball and whatnot, but that's not, we got to have some player safety. We got to have the, the player that's going to get hit needs to, to be aware that this is going to happen. Yeah. And if it's not aware of it, the, uh, the tackling player has a, a much bigger, uh, what do you call it? Responsibility. Yeah, he's got to be aware that he's got to make this hit so the yeah. guy can take it. Yeah. Now, uh, staying on that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go. Go, David. 
Well, no, I was just going to say kind of staying on that topic of, you know, personal responsibility of players uh, and keeping themselves safe as well. You know, the SHL, unlike some other leagues, have young, well, kids in the league sometimes, you know, 16, 17 year old players. Has there ever been a situation as a referee or a linesman where you have, you know, told a young player, you know, keep your head up, you know, do this, do that, keep keep yourself safe? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> obviously not naming any names, but um, yeah, did... we can name, uh, we can, uh, I can, I can give you one. Uh, well, I actually told, I kind of laugh at this sometimes, but Elias Pedersen now at Vancouver. I, yeah, when I'm he, originally from Vancouver, played. so I'm a big Pedersen fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, when he was like 17 or 18 and blooming in, in Timrall, he was, he was kind of at me and I was kind of at him. And I said, uh, if you don't keep your head up, you will, I don't think you're going to make it. So um, obviously I was wrong or he is, he's keeping his head up. Um, <laughs> so that's no, but that's, you know, that's the, the understanding and the respect between referees and players. I, I doesn't have anything to do with just hit sits. I try to communicate with everyone. If I see a behavior, if I know a guy works a lot of sticks in the back, I try to tell him, I just, hey, David, you know, watch your stick there. You're okay now. But if you work anymore, you're going to get a penalty. And you do you do as you please. But now I told you. And that 99% of the times, uh, usually you don't work your stick in the backs anymore because you don't want to get penalized. And if you do, uh, I have the advantage of saying, hey, I told you. Uh, so that's well that's that's a big part of being a referee uh, communication with players someone told me i've been i think it was uh thomas anderson uh now a former referee obviously but he's had uh quite illustrious ca- career throughout the years and he told me that he had uh he had i think it was the 2000 let's see 2005 championship finals between Färjestad and Frölunda, the lockout season there where pretty much the SHL became the NHL for, for a brief year there. And he had uh, Zidane Shara and Sheldon Surrey come for, come up to him as the losers of this final to, you know, congratulate him on a well, well uh, refereed uh, or ref uh, series of games. What is, what is, you know, not the biggest feedback, but you know, what's the best feedback you've had as a player? Uh, sorry, a player coming up to you. Can you? Are there often situations where they go, "Oh, hey, that that you did well today," or stuff like that, or is it just, is it more of the "fuck you" game whenever something goes wrong, so to speak? I think that nowadays it's it's uh, it's a very mature league. The SHL, of course, we have uh, the situations where everyone is, uh, or everyone, but a couple of it, or every place at a team is unhappy, and that can be depending on us or their own performance. In you got to make, you got to find an escape code. But I think the, as in in the story with the two there, it's it's the same for me. I think that the games that uh, that has. Uh, the most important games where the loser team is is happy with with our job that's obviously the most rewarding then you feel like okay it wasn't on us we did what we would do and everyone should and everyone has understanding for what we've done out there so um, i uh, i agree with thomas uh, on that one 
That's cool. And I have, I don't have any, I don't have a, any particular, but I've been in a couple of games uh, of fairly um, of a decent standard. And, and every time I know even winning and, but of course more of the losing side because that they tend to fall back to this wasn't our fault. Yeah. And when they see that, well, the refs did their job, but we didn't, or we didn't manage to push through. The other team was better than, that's the biggest. That's the biggest for us. Yeah, I guess you don't want to be seen, really. Um, we've had a pretty successful ref- international refereeing from Sweden in the past few years, and uh, obviously, uh, just a few weeks ago, Tobias Björk was one of the referees in the Olympic finals. Do you ever set goals for yourself? You know, I would like to reach a certain tournament or a certain type of games or do you just take it as it comes so to speak uh for me personally i'll just take it as it comes yep try to uh, try to prepare for every season and um, try to be ready and and we got a management and all i can do is is just try to ref as good as i can and they will appoint me to those games that they think and i know tobias and linus and uh, mickey is doing the same thing and we're competing. They're my friends. And, and at the same time, we're competing. So I want their games and hopefully they would like some of mine. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm very, very happy for, uh, for, for Tobe who made the, uh, the finals and, uh, and Mickey was there also. Yeah. Um, but to the answer, the short answer to that question is no, I just go out there and try to do my best every game. Fair enough. We're not going to keep you the entire... Uh, how are we on time, Dave? Uh, we're looking at about 28 minutes, so we're doing pretty good right now, actually. Okay, awesome. we got a couple of minutes left. Uh, obviously, you're traveling quite a lot, as it is, even though maybe not to the Olympics this season or stuff like that. How do you spend your time on the road, and what do you do like when, you, when you're trying to wind down after a game? Let's say you're traveling to some someplace far away, and you might, you might be staying the night or whatever. What do you do to kind of cut away from hockey? Well, I don't think I'm. I am cutting away from hockey when I'm. I'm winding down. That's the thing. For me, usually I, I say I take the flight to Lulu. Uh, then we stay the night, and after the game, I, I usually go through my game. Uh, briefly, I don't see the whole game, but I see. I try to remember if there were any situations that I need to attend to uh, for my, for my personal. Um, experience or for trying to to learn something that from anyone else's really and it takes one or two maybe three hours to to wind down to be able to sleep Uh, try to read some uh, just a book or or whatever but usually it, it it comes down to my own game and maybe other games as well see what happens you know it's it's always good to have a have a, an understanding or a view of what's going on in the league. How's uh, Brynäs doing? How's Jurgården and every first all, how, how are they doing and what have they been up to uh, lately? Yeah. Just to keep an eye on what's happening out there. So, And uh, then we try to wake up and, and go home. 
Now, uh, speaking of scheduling, um, obviously, like you mentioned, you're based out of Stockholm. So when it comes to the games you're scheduled on, does the league try and keep you kind of close to home? Are there guys kind of based in the north, guys in the south that that work certain games? Or can you basically just be sent all over the country? Yeah, I mean, all over the country. Uh, the linesmen are more stationary, uh, but the, the riffs are, are constantly on the move. Interesting. Okay. So obviously it's uh, uh, a lot of traveling for you and a kind of a hectic schedule as well during the regular season, but uh, during the postseason, uh, I, I would imagine you're fairly busy because obviously the first round of the playoffs, you get hockey games for, I don't know, 19, 20 days in a row. So you must be all over the place. Yeah, you wouldn't, uh, you try to keep your schedule open. It's, uh, you don't get the games uh, in advance. You get them with two, three days, maybe. You know, you know what quarterfinals you're you're making, and but you don't know what games. So you can you can maybe do an assessment of you know it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, but I, or Sunday, but I don't know what day I'm uh, officiating. Uh, so you just try to keep that open, but that's part of the job, and no one's complaining. That's that's just how it is, and everyone wants to work their way up to the final. So it just will take those games. What is the practical uh, planning or administration of a trip? Do you have to make your reservations yourself, or is there actually someone at the league office taking care of everything for you, like plane tickets and hotels and rental cars or whatever? Uh, the rental cars uh, we handle uh, ourselves, but uh, that's uh, most of us have so have a guy at one rental station that, that try to help us and with uh, with bookings, flights, and uh, train tickets and whatever we have uh, we have a great support from a travel agency uh, connected to the SHL that is uh, they are marvelous to say the least. So we're pretty fortunate that in every other league in Sweden you make all the reservations yourselves. Uh, but we just send an email and, and we get help and, and the building goes straight to the SHL. So we, we're uh, fortunate in that. I actually used to work in a travel industry, so I know uh, the way of business travels. It's really, it's really fun business, but that's another story. Uh, I'm all out of questions, actually. Uh, I'm super grateful. Do you, Dave, do you have anything else to add? No, uh, I've, yeah, I've pretty much covered and covered everything I wanted to. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Johan. We really appreciate oh, it. I have one. Sorry, I do have one. How many games have you uh, officiated as of now in the SHL? Uh, 109. We got a guy who knows every number on every <laughs> referee. So he's going he's gonna to beat down on me now. And, uh, but I would say it's 120. Awesome. Uh, this has been great, Johan. Uh, you're more than welcome to join us down the line here in, I don't know, six months, a year, maybe to kind of discuss the upcoming, any rule changes there's been for next season or stuff like that. It would love to have you back on because this was great. Thank you so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me and I'll be back when you want me to. Thank you Excellent. so much. Thanks very much, Johan. Take care. You too. Bye. Okay, once again, a very big thank you to Johan Nordloff, who uh, he, he mentioned, obviously, he was uh, repping the Rebro game last night. Um, but yeah, a really, really interesting interview, uh, really, really fun to chat with a, a referee and uh, kind of get their perspective and um, on the game. And, uh, you know, I, I found it really interesting about, you know, uh, how 
when he talked about the relationship with the players, trying to keep it professional and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was great to chat with him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, should we just go through the, the games and finish off with some sort of news segment here? Yeah. So um, did we want to kind of touch on other games that happened last night or should we move on to previewing the games that are coming up this weekend? Uh, I just want to touch on the just getting back to the Erbru, uh, Erbru and Malmö. Malmö came came away with a five three win in Erbru yesterday after a pretty solid performance. Performance they went three nil three nil up in the first period. Uh, looked really really good in in the process as well. They outshot Malmö uh, Erbru and they actually forced Erbru making a goalie change. Uh, and Ross didn't start, but he played the final two uh, frames. Um, but the one player that kind of stands out to me is Nick Halloran uh, in Erbru. Um, I think he played his 12th game in the SHL since coming over from, I don't know where he played beforehand. I'm going to look that up. I'm just pulling up his prospects page right now. Thank you, because I'll get to his stats, which is quite impressive, which are quite impressive, I should say. Um, oh, he's playing for Saipa in Liga. Oh, how about that? Because he, he had a, I think it was a mid-game interview. He was, I'm kind of enjoying it. This is the best league I've played so far. And, uh, and uh, you know, adapting has been so-so. <laughs> so-so isn't what I would, how I would put it. Because he's had, uh, he's played 13 games. He's got, he's got five goals and four assists. And he's on a six-game point streak. <laughs> so he's doing fairly well. And the thing that kind of stands out to me is he, he isn't, you know, the, he hasn't the biggest posture. He's not a you know a meaty guy, if you will. He's only 180 centimeters, 86 kilograms. So you know he's a pretty average hockey player. But he he finds the the spaces and 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 he finds the time to kind of create plays anywhere. And he's only 24 years old. So this guy is a pretty. I mean, he's got the future ahead of him still. I I like his play a lot. I hope he stays because he he's a bit of a joker maybe he can he can do stuff that it's hard to put words but he has some special aura you know he's a brady ferguson type of thing or brock little maybe even uh, when brock little has ha, was in his prime because let's face it he might not be um nick halloran is a one hell of a pickup yeah absolutely this is it's it's big for a river um and i think he's going to be a very important piece for them heading into the postseason like i said so, yeah. and like i said he's only 24 years old they could have a potential long-term uh you know solid right winger in nick halloran if he decides to stay with a um and obviously like you said it's uh he he says there's been an adjustment period but doesn't really reflect on the stat sheet no. so uh yeah this was um you know kind of an unknown player uh i guess you could say coming over from liga where you know, he, he had the seven goals and 10 assists in 25 games. But before that, he had one season in the AHL with the Ontario Reign. And then before that, he was an NCAA player in uh, Colorado College. And the thing with during his, he only played 15 games with the Reign. So I'm guessing injuries maybe or something like that. But he's, he was still half a point per game. So, he's, I mean, he's by no stretch a bad AHL player. But maybe he just wanted to try stuff out, uh, go a different route maybe. But yeah, he's doing fairly well, and I really hope he sticks around because yeah, sorry, this yeah. is uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a it's a good pickup. I'm looking forward to see more of him, and it would be kind of cool to have him on the show, actually. Yeah, it would actually that would be really cool. Um, and I just wanted to touch on the Your Gordon Foriestad game last night because Your Gordon obviously desperate for any points they can get at the moment. 
Um, and unfortunately for your Gordon, they did end up losing, but they lost in overtime last night against yeah. Warriors dad five to four. It was a good game. Um, but they grabbed one point, which for them is very important right now. Yes. And Eric Jelen has scored for you. Gordon. I believe that was his first, uh, first goal as a year Gordon player. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, yeah, that I'm guessing they hadn't really, Obviously, you want to win every game, but Ferrystad is a pretty tough opponent, so it's a good good point to kind of get. But when when the other results kind of didn't go their way, I'm guessing they they see it more like a loss than a point gained, if you will. True. Yeah. But lucky for them, team were lost. So, but it's still a five. It's still five points up to Malmo and uh, another five points up to to Lean Shopping for for Jurgen now. So. Yeah. And they got their massive goal different differential in the wrong direction. They're, they're minus 41 in 44 games. So yeah, so compare that to Linköping, who was actually Linköping was the last team to score 100 goals this season. Really? Uh, yeah, but Linköping are minus 22. So that's a massive difference. It's almost, quote unquote, a point, if you will, uh, in, in the standings, because 19 goals is a pretty big difference. So we'll see how yeah, that unfolds. Yeah, so your Gordon is not not going to be able to rely on uh, a tie in points when it comes to standings because that is no. the uh, the deciding factor when it comes to uh, a tie in points in the standings. So yeah, um, and I mean that obviously goes back to the really rough start they had at the start of the season. They got themselves in a hole right away, and obviously it, it, almost impossible to dig yourself out of that. But your Gordon, to their credit, has done a great job kind of clawing back in the points category uh, in have. the standings. So I'll um. I'm not, I'm not a betting man uh, as per se, but if if Jurgen ends up in the qualification game or relegation game, I wouldn't want to be the opponent because I think they're because the way they're kind of playing right now, like Timur actually, but you know, the the edge of the sword in Jurgen, if you will, with with uh, Hala, uh, no, not Halak, Salak. I mean, and uh, and uh, and. You know, Ritrakshani coming into form, and yeah, the the, the spearheads in Jurgen are pretty more, pretty pretty more edgy than than let's say Tim Rowe and even Malmo. So I, I'd be a bit worried should I end up uh, facing, eventually facing uh, or possibly facing Jurgen in a relegation game. Yeah. But uh, let's take a look at this weekend's matchups because we've got a full yeah. slate of games on Saturday afternoon and Saturday evening. We've got some big ones concerning those bottom-level teams. Uh, Are you working this weekend? Yes, I'm working the Rogue Lefteo game on Saturday night, I believe. Okay. Um, but Faryastad is hosting Linköping, so Linköping obviously hoping to come away with some points in that game. The big one that people are going to be watching, obviously, though, is the Timra Greenis game. That goes at 315. That's going to be a big one concerning standings, of course. Uh, Your Gordon is going to be hosting Ferlunda. Malmo is going to be hosting a Raybro. They have a home and home. Um, this yeah, game. that's. I think that's a good game. And then uh, I, I, one of the games to watch, obviously, concerning the top two teams, is that Rogla Hlefteu game on Saturday night at six o'clock. Because coming into that game, Hlefteu sits just one point back of Rogla, so we could see a change in uh, the standings leader at the end of that game. Um, that's going to be a big one. Lulio playing Oskarsham and the Lakers uh, are hosting Lexand, which is also a big game as well because Lexand sits just four points back of the Lakers at the moment in seventh, Lakers sitting in fifth overall. So we do have some big games this Saturday. 
some stats just prior to the lean shopping or regarding the first lean shopping game is that out of the five past games in in Karlstad, uh, lean shopping has come away with at least a point in four of those, and they have four three point uh, sorry three three pointers uh, of those games. So they're looking good in Karlstad actually. Yeah, and we've got three games on uh, Sunday as well, which are big ones. I didn't even realize. <clears throat> Timra and Yurvorden. Hello, Linshoping Malmo. Hello, Brina's Ferlanda. But those two, that Timro, your Gordon, Linshoping <laughs> Malmo, those are huge games. Yeah, and uh, I totally blanked on that in my in the schedule. So uh, yeah, uh, we we're going to have a lot to digest uh, early next week, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll uh, definitely get you caught up on uh, the weekend's action early next week, hopefully. Yeah, that might be an episode without an interview because uh, because communications. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think that just pretty much covers it, Sixten, unless there was anything else you wanted to touch on. Uh, just want to mention that Andre Deniskin gets... Did I mention this already? I don't think so. No, I think I said it offline uh, or off the air. Andre Deniskin gets a one-year ban from the WHF for the racist abuse of Jalen, Jalen Smerik in the Ukrainian league. Obviously, the Ukraine has uh, bigger worries to, to kind of handle that now. But uh, the ban is effective for participation in exhibition games, competitive games, both internationally and in any of the WHF member states. So, yeah, that would exclude Belarus and Russia now, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess it would. So, uh, uh, on that note, fuck Vladimir Putin. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that does it for us, guys. Uh, appreciate you listening again. A big, uh, big thank you to uh, Johan Nordloff for joining us on uh, on the podcast. First referee we've interviewed, so that was a lot of fun. Yes, it sure was. Thank you, Johan, for hopping on, and thank you to our pigeons, Henrik, Eric, Adam, Darlene, and Tom, Linus, Andreas, Tobias, and Anton. Thank you so much for sponsoring our plucky little podcast. And if you would would like to do so, uh, head on over to patreoncom pond. Across the pond pod, actually. Um, I think I'm all out of words. Yeah, that just about does it. So thanks very much for listening, guys. As always, stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, support the Ukraine and your local businesses. Thanks for listening, guys. Mm-hmm.